God bless you. Let me invite you to open your Bible to the book of Acts. You can open your Bible or your Bible app to the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 1. The words will be on the screen in a moment if you don't have your Bible. Uh, there's Bibles at the back. Feel free to grab one and take it with you if you like. Again, my name is Matt Friend. I'm the senior pastor here at Bible Center Church. And I want to welcome you and also all those who are joining us online. Stephen tells me that there's a number of folks, sometimes into the hundreds, who join us online. So welcome to you as well. We'd love to have you here uh, next time you're in the Charleston area or up this way, this end of the valley. Before we get rolling, I wanted to give you an update on a few things. One is about our How to Study the Bible class. This coming Friday, we have our first core class that's being offered. You've asked a number of questions, really good questions, so we've put a lot of information in your bulletin. Feel free to check that out. I'll be here. I'm looking forward to hearing our teacher uh, teach us. My wife, our kids will be here. If you have students, if you have kids, the students will be in here with us. Um, but the children will also have a class of their own downstairs. I'd love to have several hundred people here, us together, learning how to love God's Word and to go deeper in God's Word together. That's this Friday right here in the Worship Center. Also on your way in, maybe somebody asked you if you played golf. That's not a typical question that our ushers ask when you walk into our worship center. But if you were asked that, there's a reason. One of our missionaries, Tim Britton, is our FCA missionary to the Kanawha Valley. And Tim, his father passed away yesterday. And for the last several months, Tim has been really taking care of his dad. Normally, he'd be out beating the bushes for this golf scramble. But he needs nine or ten more teams for his scramble. So if you love golf and you want to win, uh, it'd be a great opportunity for you to jump in and support a local ministry. All the brochures are back at the welcome desk or at the connect table. And then lastly, I want to give you an update on the all-in challenge. A number of you have texted, you've called, you've messaged, hey, what's the total commitment so far on the all-in challenge? Or what even is the all-in challenge? Well, it's a one-year commitment for us to grow as a church and to decrease our debt, to crush our debt. Uh, over the last year, we've been praying about what the next step is. And so this year, we're looking at every opportunity possible to connect with our neighbors and get the gospel, the good news of Jesus, into the hands and hearts of people. Uh, but also, we had a great opportunity. A retirement community bought nine acres of land on our backside of our property. Uh, there used to be a mountain there. If you haven't seen it, feel free to drive up and take a look. There's a construction gate, but they have already moved about half the mountain, and construction has begun. But the sale of those nine acres have made it possible for us for one year to crush our debt. Our mission as a church is to glorify God by producing more maturing followers of Jesus. That's why we're here. We've only got one shot at this, one life, and we want to do as much as we can to get the gospel again in heads and hearts. And so this year, we want to get that debt behind us as much as possible and so there's about 900 or so people, or giving units, as uh, our finance office says, that support the ministry of Bible Center Church, 900 of you. And so far, as of this morning, 175 commitment cards have come in, which is amazing. But just in the 175 commitment cards, let alone the 900 that's yet to come, there has been two million, just under two million dollars committed to get us out of debt. Can we just thank the Lord? <laughs> the 
Pastor John and I are beside ourselves. We're excited about what is yet to come. Many of you said, hey, Pastor Man, I'm going to pray about it for a couple weeks before I drop my commitment card. You can do that. But let's ask God to do something great. We have a city that's hurting and needs Jesus, and we want to do everything we can to be there for the world. Well, let's jump into God's Word. Acts chapter 1. Let me invite you to stand as I read Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're continuing the series today through the book of Acts, looking at an all-in church. What is an all-in church? We've seen that an all-in church is unified. An all-in church is uh, for the gospel and for the city. An all-in church wants to grow. We want to grow deeper and we want to grow wider through the gospel and God's word. Last week we saw that an all-in church is generous, but this morning we're going to see that an all-in church is both desperate and prayerful. And the character we're going to zoom in on in a moment is Mary, Jesus' mother. At this prayer meeting, one of the first prayer meetings of the early church, Jesus' own mother shows up to pray. So on this Mother's Day, if you're a mom, just know that we have prayed for your faith and we've prayed that this service will encourage your heart. If you're not a mom, we've prayed for your faith and that this service would encourage your heart. But I also know there's a number of you this morning that have come in here with heavy burdens. You almost didn't come. And I want to thank you for being here. And I want to praise God for what he's doing in your life. But I want you to know we had special prayer this week for you. And I'm praying that the next few minutes encourages your faith and inspires your own walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about moms, I wanted to ask a question. How many of you who are moms wish that you were a better mom? Is there anybody out there? Two or three of you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I won't ask the dads that if you were wish. But sure, we all want to be better at what God has called us to do. Moms have never been more connected than they are today. Through social media, even when I was growing up, it was the checkout lines and the magazines, the tabloids, they're still there. You see pictures of perfect moms, uh, pictures of perfect kids and perfect houses and perfect meals. You know, it's kind of like on social media, you see those, those pictures, you have that friend that constantly posts about all the amazing things that their children have done. And we all do it, right? We don't, we don't post when our kids do knucklehead things. We just post when they do good things. But, you know, you're seeing these pictures of somebody else's child who wins the world's smartest kid in the universe award, and your kid's making fart noises with his elbow in, in class. <laughs> and you're, you're just trying to think, how in the world can I ever measure up? You see a mom that always seems to have it together and you're lucky to get on a sweatshirt and yoga pants. 
You wish your house was cuter or bigger, your kids were smarter, or your life was somehow better. I want you to, want you to be able to communicate that I can relate a little bit. I've never been a mom, never will be a mom. But senior pastors struggle with comparison just like moms can struggle with comparison. It's not apples for apples, but I thought I'd share a little bit of this with you. You know, we see social media about the other pastor on the other side of the country. He walks in and he preaches a five-minute shallow sermon and 30,000 people come to Jesus. Or there's the guy who preaches like a five-minute sermon on John 3.16 and he preaches on the same passage for a year and people go deeper and deeper after spending 12 months on one verse. And the rest of us just look at him and go, what hope do we have, right? Like you got the really cool pastor that's got the, he's got just, just enough gray to make himself look wise, but got just enough dark hair to make himself look young. And we see that and we're thinking like, we might as well just give up, right? There's no way we can measure up. Well, I want to put your mind at ease today and let you know there is no such thing as a perfect mom. There's not. There's no such thing as a perfect pastor, perfect dad, a perfect man, a perfect... There's no such thing. And usually, people who constantly want to project themselves as being perfect sometimes are, are hiding deep, deep hurt and deep, deep pain on the inside. We all struggle. None of us are perfect. So if we can't be a perfect mom, what can we be? This is the main point of our message today. You'll never be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. You'll never be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. I want to tell three stories of moms who weren't perfect, but they learned to pray. The first story is about Hannah. Hannah was desperate. Hannah was desperate in prayer to the Lord. Hannah is probably one of the most popular names in the Bible, one of the most popular names in even our culture today. We all know somebody by the name of Hannah. Hannah really, really wanted to have a baby, but she struggled over her infertility. Now, Hannah wasn't famous at first. She doesn't come from royalty, but, but Hannah was an obscure woman, an ordinary woman from a hillbilly town in Israel who just loved the Lord, and she loved her husband. Hannah had three main burdens. Her first burden was the fact that her husband also had another wife. So that's enough to burden any woman. She's living in a home where there's another wife, another mom. The second thing that really weighed her down was that this other woman could have babies easily. I mean, her nickname might as well have been Fertile Myrtle. I mean, this other woman was having babies, and Hannah could have no children. And the other woman let her know about it. But the third reason that she was really burdened was that her husband was insensitive. We find in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah's husband asked the question that no husband should ever ask. He said, Hannah, why are you crying? It wasn't enough. He went a little, a little farther, like the height of insult. He says, am I not better to you than ten sons? That was an epic fail. He never should have said that. But he did. And God moved in Hannah's heart through her brokenness to pray. She kept on seeking, she kept on asking, and she kept on knocking until God showed up in a miraculous way. 
We find in 1 Samuel that God ended up giving her not only Samuel, but he gave her six children in all, four boys and two girls. And her son Samuel was the judge that anointed King David. David's still the champion of Israel today. God used this woman. He showed up in a miraculous way. And I invite you to listen to Hannah's prayer with me as Hannah praises the Lord for answered prayer. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my heart goes up to prayer. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty <clears throat> and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Amen. Thank you, Carol. The second story we want to tell is about Mary. There's a connection in the New Testament with Hannah and Mary. For Mary's prayers, we're going to see in a minute, is almost word for word, or it's very similar to Hannah's prayer 1,000 years earlier. And so now we're going to look a little bit at Mary's prayer. Mary has a lot of similarities to Hannah. She comes from a poor hillbilly town in Israel. Mary is uh, going to marry a humble, plain, ordinary man. Picture as Mary's home, she's alone, she's doing her chores, and out of the blue, there's a flash of light, and an angel appears with a message. The angel tells her, you are going to have a baby, and your baby is going to change the world. Your baby, we're going to name him Jesus, which means God saves. And your baby's going to start a kingdom that will never end. And you can picture Mary being startled. How can I have a baby seeing that I've never known a man? And the angel lets Mary know it's going to be a miracle. And then the angel leaves. Picture what was going through her mind as a young woman, again, probably not 16 years of age. She's thinking how she has to tell Joseph about this baby. Hey, hey Joseph, uh, honey, I, I just want you to know I love you. 
and I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. And, and by the way, I want you to know, I'm going to have a baby, but I, you and I both know it's not yours, but, but don't worry, it's God's baby. Now, that excuse has never worked in the history of the world and will never work for the rest of the world. But in this one occasion, she was telling the truth. But picture how she would have been viewed by her neighbors, by her family. Mary was a woman who was broken and humble before the Lord. How will I provide for my child? What about medical care? She lived again in a hick town of Israel. But Mary heard another voice, and that was the voice of God's promises. The angel came to her with a promise and said, you are going to have this child. And in Luke 1.38, you can see the reference in your notes. She looks at the angel and she says, essentially, not my will, but God's will be done. Mary had, was a praying woman who had learned years before as a young girl to pray for the will of God to be done in her life, not her own will. It was probably Mary who taught Jesus similar words to what's now the model prayer, where Jesus said, may thy kingdom come, may thy will be done. So you have Mary who's desperate, Mary like Hannah prays, you can see the parallel, and then Jesus shows up in a miraculous way. Physically, literally, Jesus is conceived and Jesus is born. Listen on this Mother's Day to Mary's prayer and how similar it is to her hero, Hannah. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Thank you, Carol. The third and last story is about the early church, and this brings us up to the book of Acts. Luke loved Mary. Most probably, Luke interviewed Mary. The disciples, they knew Mary. John took care of Mary after Jesus died. And, and so you can picture as, as Luke begins the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1 and 2, and then he ends in Acts chapter 1 with Mary praying with the early church. So the first time we meet Mary, she's praying like Hannah. And then the last time we see Mary anywhere in the Bible called by name, she's still a praying mother. Now think about all the change that she had just gone through, all the change that the early church had gone through. Jesus, their Savior, was going to conquer Rome, and then he dies on a cross. Jesus, their Savior, rises from the grave, and for 40 days he preaches, and then he disappears. 
Jesus, the Savior, is physically gone. He ascends back into heaven. And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem, and he says to pray and continue praying until the Spirit comes. And you can picture that, uh, the, the changes they're going through and the, and the fear, am I going to be crucified? Am I going to be persecuted? Am I going to lose my house because I'm a follower of Jesus? Nevertheless, the early church prayed, and Mary was among them. The 11 disciples were there. The women disciples were there. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna were there. And also the woman who had made Jesus' peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. The woman who had changed his diapers and had baked his birthday cake and had nursed him as a child. We see her not being prayed to, but she prays to her son. And the last time we see Mary, we see that God had moved her to pray. She was a praying mom. What happened next? The Spirit showed up. Just like in Hannah's life, just like early in her life, Mary prays and God does amazing things. Listen to what happened as the direct result of Mary's prayer. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Thank you, Carol. Will you join me in giving Carol a hand? She did a good job. Here's the main encouragement again. You'll never be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. You'll never be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. We're not perfect parents. We've been parents now for 15 years. We have two daughters. If anything I know, I know we're not perfect parents. I was reminded of that even humorously the other day. Uh, we had some friends over to the house, and uh, our daughters were watching the girls upstairs. And so they end up going home. The little girls, I think, are like four or five years old, and the other one's two or three. And they go home, and they tell their parents that something disturbing and so the parents come to my wife, just asking, you know, lovingly, kind of asking what's up. They told their father that my daughters were showing them a movie about how babies are made and where babies come from. And so needless to say, my wife is, you know, Sarah's kind of, Whoa, let's, let's get to the What happened? My daughters were showing that movie Storks, the cartoon Storks, where babies are delivered. And so they go home and they tell about my dad. None of us are perfect parents, right? None of us are. Even when we try, sometimes perception is not there. But we can be praying parents. And on this Mother's Day, before you go, I want to encourage you to get back to praying. 
to continue praying and don't give up praying. You say, Pastor Matt, what do I pray for? Pray for whatever is on your heart right now. What do you worry about? What are you afraid of? Pray about that. Pray for your children. Pray for their salvation. If they're grown, pray for their walk with Jesus. Pray for their kids. You can pray for your own marriage. You can pray for your illness. You can pray for the illness of the person sitting next to you. You can pray for those fears that wake you up at 2 a.m., for that friend or family member who wrestles with addiction, for that financial burden that you know is coming, for someone who used to be close with Jesus, but they're no longer close with Jesus. The call this morning is you may not be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. And let your legacy be one of prayer. There's really three types of people in the room this morning. There's people who've never put their faith in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to call on the name of the Lord in prayer and be saved. But there's also some of you who are new Christians and you're wondering, how in the world do I learn to pray? Let me invite you back all summer long. We're going to go through psalm after psalm after psalm. And we're going to learn from the prayer book of the Bible how to pray. And it's actually easier than you think. If you don't know what to pray, you can actually pray the Psalms. And we're going to look at that throughout the summer, June, July, and August. But there's many of you here, you've been saved for years. And you're what we call like, you know, varsity Christian. I want to speak to you for just a minute. How is your prayer life? How is your own walk with Jesus? Maybe you're just on fire in your prayer life. Let me invite you to start a group. Let me invite you to share that, to invite other people in. Occasionally, somebody will say, Pastor, I think Bible Center Church could pray more, and I always agree with them. We're not praying nearly as much as we could. I found out this week we actually have nine prayer groups for women that meet weekly, either here at Bible Center or in people's houses. Nine. I've been here two years. I didn't know that till this week. If you want to jump into one of those prayer groups, Jane will be back at the Connect table. She can tell you about where they are and who to text or what address to visit. But if your prayer life has grown cold, let me invite you to go back to the basics. It's kind of like basketball. Go back to the fundamentals. In my own devotions this spring and this summer, I've noticed that my heart has just grown almost mechanical in the ministry. And so now I'm walking through psalm after psalm after psalm, working my way through before we get to you in the summer series, and I am finding that my heart is warming up praying the psalms. Let me invite you to do the exact same thing. You don't have to be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. This last story I'll share is from the 1700s. There's a woman named Susanna. When I tell you her name, many of you will recognize her. But uh, Susanna is, is, is a woman on the outside seems to have a perfect life. Susanna's married to a pastor. They have 10 beautiful children. And, and two of her sons become famous. But I learned this week Susanna's life was far from perfect. She had nine other children who died in infancy. One of them smothered. It was an accident. Her, her husband, the pastor, this glowing pastor who could preach great sermons, wasn't the same person at home as he was in the pulpit. He struggled to manage his money, and twice he was put into debtor's prison because he wasn't paying his bills. 
He would argue with Susanna, and Susanna was known for being quite argumentative herself. Sometimes she would argue and win the argument, and he would leave the house for days, only to come back on Saturday to preach at his church on Sunday. One of their children was disabled. On one occasion, this fiery preacher, her husband, made some members of his congregation angry, and they burnt their house down, killed their dog, and burnt their field. I told that story to my daughters last night, and they said, will that ever happen at Bible Center? I don't think so, right? I don't think so, no. But you think about what they went through. Well, it wasn't a perfect life by any stretch of the imagination, but Susanna learned to pray. She told her kids, she said, that when you see mommy's apron up over her head, that means that mommy's praying. Her sons would later write that they also heard mommy snoring many times when the apron was over her head, not just praying. But she developed a prayer pattern for her kids. Two of her sons went on to change the world. You've heard of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. He preached to millions and on occasion would preach to 30,000 people without a microphone. That's John on the left. His brother Charles is in the middle, wrote over 9,000 hymns, many of which we still sing even with modern music today. And of course on the far right is Francis Asbury, one of the other founders of the Methodist movement. God used Susanna's life. And it's easy for us to read about her in history and think, here's this perfect lady who was always prim and proper, who always did everything right. But we actually get to know Susanna, and we find that she was a broken mom, just like you are. She was a broken Christian, just like we are. And although she could never be a perfect mom, she was a praying mom. And God used her prayers to change the world. You don't have to be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for so many who joined us today to worship and dig deeper in your word. I pray that the stories of Hannah and Mary and the early church would resonate in our own hearts that we would just pray. Today, we would let you hear our requests, our burdens. And God, I thank you for the spirit of revival that we sense at Bible Center Church. May we be a people of the word, and may we be a people of prayer. Bless our mothers today. Bless those who are joyful and those who are fearful. But today, may it all be about Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.